Hey, Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at uh, Renovation Church. And this week, a friend sent me a news article that was from December 28th, 2019. And here was the title of the article. It was 20 things to look forward to in the year 2020. Uh, let me share with you some of the vast wisdom from December 28th, 2019 of things we were going to just enjoy with just such great optimism in this uh, wonderful year. Uh, number one on the list was the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Boy, that was amazing. Uh, uh, number two or three on the list, they recommended different cities you could travel to. Uh, they recommended uh, traveling to Dubai this summer, I'm, which feels hot to me as a summer destination. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Uh, they also listed a bunch of movies that never came out, concerts that never happened, and monuments that never opened. Right, It's been an unexpected year, and even in our own personal lives, a lot of this year has been just totally unexpected for us. Like, I never dreamed, in my personal life, I never dreamed that we would be doing the groundbreaking on our church building without you. That you'd be watching at home, because we could only have 10 people there at that time in April. I never imagined that we'd have to cancel our Easter egg out. Easter egg hunt outreach. You know, we, we had done it in freezing temperatures. We did it in a foot of snow one year. Some of you remember that. And yet we did. We had to cancel it. Uh, and I never pictured Christmas 2020 like this either. You know, I, I always knew that there was this outside chance that we'd get to have you all into the building and have a Christmas service. And, you know, I, I, it was kind of an outside chance. And I, yes, our building still isn't finished, but I never had this idea that we were going to be homeless for a month or two as a church. You know, it's kind of an odd thing to be homeless as a church on Christmas. And yet, maybe it's not. Uh, Mary and Joseph, if you think about it, couldn't really find a home for Jesus on that first Christmas either. There were no relatives to take them in. There was no room in the inn. And the Savior of the world had to be born in a dark stable. You know, 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people. Many people are even beginning to call this the dark year. And so I think it's fitting that today, on Christmas Eve, that we look at a prophecy about the coming of the Savior as a light into the darkness, right? I think that's a good idea. Let's, let's do that. This is going to be a prophecy. It's a godly prediction a true and godly prediction from the prophet Isaiah. So this is going to take place about seven or 800 years before Jesus actually came to earth. And it's in a time where the northern tribes of Israel, Israel was God's people in the Old Testament, the northern tribes were facing a grave threat from the nation of Assyria, which wanted to come over to the west and conquer the nation of Israel. And in Isaiah chapter 8, this prophet Isaiah he talks about how God's people are facing this great darkness, and yet they keep going to all the wrong things. They're turning to, to mediums and their own wisdom and all of these sorts of things. They're turning to like everything but God. And the prophet Isaiah warns them that if they keep turning to other things, then this will happen. So we're in Isaiah chapter 8, if you want to follow along at home, or I believe the verses will actually be on the screen for you as well. So Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will, be, they will become enraged. And looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth 
and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Verse 22 is, is interesting. It says, they will look toward the earth. They'll look for answers from the wise people of the earth. They'll look for answers from their culture. And what they will see when they really dig into it is actually just distress and darkness and fearful gloom, which is, by the way, what you see if you look to the culture for answers in this dark year. This year, this hard year for me, I think has only reinforced my belief that Jesus is our only answer the real answer in difficult times. You know, I read, I saw this maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, in Iceland, the country where people are really struggling with isolation, the government and the forestry service there has carved out paths into the forest and they have, this is government officials, have recommended that people follow the paths out into the forest and they spend five minutes a day hugging a tree. I'm not making this up. When this is over, you can go ahead and Google it. Here is the direct quote from the government official of Iceland. I will read it to you right now. He says, it's good to close your eyes while hugging a tree. I press my cheek against it and feel the warmth and currents flowing from the tree into me. It starts in your toes, runs up your legs and through your body into your brain. You get such a good relaxing feeling and then are ready for a new day and new challenges. You can go ahead and try this out. Uh, Maybe not today. It's actually pretty cold uh, in Minnesota. But go ahead, uh, try this out, and I think you're going to find that Isaiah the prophet was actually right, not the government officials from the country of Iceland. We look to the earth to solve our problems, and we find find nothing. I read another article uh, that talked about how people are struggling again with isolation as we're in kind of a second round of lockdowns. And so uh, many inventors are working on trying to invent robot companions at a faster rate so we can help people in isolation. It's like our culture is so obsessed with trying to find answers in the earth and in technology, thinking that if we could just figure out these answers in the earth and in technology, certainly technology can solve our problems, right? And bring light into our darkness. But it can't. A computer, or a TV, or a tree will offer you no answers, no love, and certainly not forgiveness. The darkness will continue. And yet if you keep reading from Isaiah the prophet in the Bible, we find that the darkness won't last forever. It's going to be rough for the people that he's talking to contextually. They actually will be conquered by this nation of Assyria. But eventually, he says, something amazing will happen in history. For him, it'll be the future, but for us, it's our history. So if you turn the chapter in the Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, you see this amazing couple of verses. It's Isaiah chapter 9, of verses 1 and 2. He says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee, which is in the same region, of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
And so those northern people who's just suffered so much in the darkness of war, he's saying that same region, that region of Galilee, one day in the future, our history will be blessed. Now, Galilee was sort of nowheresville in Israel. It was tucked way up in the north, far away from the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, if you read in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, uh, when Nathanael first hears that Jesus, this purported Messiah, is from the town of Nazareth, which is in this region of Galilee, he says, Nazareth? What good can possibly come out of Nazareth? This is this great dark region that disobeyed God and was punished by the enemies coming in. What good can come out of that great dark land? And yet I find this is so often how God works. He loves to show his power through extremes. Like Isaiah says, on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned, and the people will see it. I mean, think about this. Where do, you most, where do you most notice a light? Where is it? Like, if I, if I were to turn on a flashlight in a really bright room, would you see it? Maybe, maybe not. But if you were in a pitch black room and someone turned on a flashlight, a light, I mean, you couldn't not notice it. It would be the first thing that you saw. And it says, it's in the land of deep darkness that the Savior, that Jesus, will come on Christmas. It's in this land that's stuck in this deep darkness. This land of the New Testament, if you just study, when Jesus comes to earth on Christmas and he starts eventually growing up and he's bringing the word, it is a dark area full of possession and sickness and hurt and spiritual darkness. And it's in that land that the light of Jesus comes. A light is dawn, just like Isaiah said it would. A few verses later in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah the prophet says this, and remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus comes to earth. That's why the Bible is such an amazing book. It says this, this is Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 now. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's the child that was born on Christmas Day. 2,000 years ago, in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. And he wasn't just born to give us these sort of cute feelings on Christmas or nice little nativity scenes you can put up in your house. That same chapter on Christmas prophecy tells us that he was born to be a light in the darkness, a light in your life when you have no light. I don't know if you remember, maybe you do. This is a major news story from two and a half years ago. You remember when those 12 boys from Thailand uh, went to explore a cave uh, in the nearby mountain next to their village? And that week, the rains had been really heavy in their area, and they and their soccer coach went farther into the cave than they probably should have. And they get a few kilometers into the cave, and they're going through all sorts of twists and turns under the mountain, and eventually... They get stuck in this cavern where the water starts filling up behind them and it literally blocks their way back out of the cave. And suddenly, they're totally trapped in. And there's nothing they can do. 
nothing besides just wait and hope that somebody figures out that, A, that they're in the cave in the first place, and B, if they can figure that out, to come and rescue them. Now, they had fresh water to drink in the cave, but otherwise they were completely trapped in the dark. And they waited all that day. And they waited a second day, and a third day, and a fourth day. And as the days rolled on, the story becomes international news. Right? I remember just reading articles on it like twice a day, watching the news. And there were cave professional cave divers, Navy SEALs from all over the planet converged on Thailand to try and help these boys and their soccer coach that were trapped deep within this cave. The whole world was watching to see, firstly, can we even find these kids trapped in the cave? And then secondly, if we do find them, how in the world do we get them out when it's basically all of the caverns and passageways are submerged in water. And so they wait. It's the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day, the eighth day. And on day nine, as the 12 boys in their soccer coach sat in complete darkness with all of their hope fading, they saw a light coming up through the water. And can you imagine that feeling? You've been trapped inside a cave for nine days. You've lost all hope. You think you're probably going to die. Can you imagine seeing the light of a rescuer coming up through the water towards you? I mean, your heart would just leap into the air. You would literally leap into the air when you saw that light rising in the water. A light in darkness is hope in the darkness. It's the hope of rescue. And eventually, all 13 members of that group were rescued. That sort of light in the darkness, that's what the Bible is teaching in this Christmas prophecy. And no matter how dark this year may have felt for you, and for some of you, it's been pretty dark. No matter how dark it might have felt, Jesus Christ is the light in your darkness. And God sent him to earth 2,000 years ago on Christmas Day to bring light into your world. Follow that light. You know, the main story of Christmas is that God sent Jesus, the Savior of the world, to be a Savior on a rescue mission to rescue people. And that light that you're seeing, that light that you're maybe feeling awakened in your heart is that somebody cares. Somebody up there cares enough about you to rescue you. You know, in that story with the Thai boys, there was even a diver, I don't know if you remember this from the story, who perished in his attempt to try and rescue the boys. He died trying to save them. He gave his life because those boys were worth saving. And Jesus has done the same for you. He gave his life on the cross because you are worth saving. The Bible says that he loved you so much that even after he, he saw all of your sins, all of your mistakes, he said that he would die on the cross in your place willing to forgive your sins, and that if you would believe in him, believe that he died in your place for your sins, that he would save you. And not only that, he would come into your life, and you, did you know this? You can actually have a personal relationship with the Son of God 
with Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. It's not, hey, do enough good, and then maybe someday you'll go to heaven. No, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. It's that God sent his son on Christmas who died in your place, and if you believe in that, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. He is this light you've been looking for. It's not in something else. You will not find it in something else. You know, I read the other day, and maybe you've even seen this with your eyes, that Americans have bought more Christmas lights this year than any other year. Some stores, in fact, completely ran out of them. People who don't even usually put up Christmas lights have been putting up lights this year. Because the year 2020 has revealed a darkness to people. A darkness that has always been there. It's sin. It's the brokenness of the world. But some people are just really feeling it for the first time. And to combat that darkness, that hardship that we're feeling, so many people are trying to just manufacture light. Just as people try and, as I said earlier, try and manufacture human contact through the earth or through technology. But as hard as you try, you cannot manufacture any sort of light that will make the darkness inside of you that you feel go away. Just like those trapped Thai boys. They couldn't manufacture light. They couldn't rescue themselves. We need a savior, and we need the light of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. And you can let that light in right now, today. All it takes is just admitting that you're a sinner, and that you're not perfect, and that you believe he's your savior, and that he died for you and then letting him in. You can do that right now. In fact, one of the things I'd encourage you to do is before this day is over, find a place in your house, your apartment, wherever you live. Maybe even before your head hits the pillow tonight, just kneel maybe by the side of your bed and just say to God, maybe you've never prayed before in your life and just say, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus for me and I am a sinner and I invite you into my life. It doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to say it just right. He will know your heart. And let the light of the world into your darkness. That's why he came on Christmas. Let me pray. God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that you would look at the darkness in this world. And somehow come to the conclusion that you want to send your own son into it as the light. Jesus, you are such a light. You bring such light to our darkness. And I pray, God, for anyone who's listening to this that just feels like they're in the dark. Lord, I pray that you light up their life tonight. That they feel you, they experience you, and that your forgiveness and your light just washes over them. We thank you for the joy of Christmas. And may we just celebrate that now. Lord, you are so good. It's in your name we pray. Amen.